Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, we're not here. We're not there yet, but we are inching closer and closer to a Clipper Laker Western Conference Final. The Lakers have the lead over the Rockets now. Sure, they lost game one, but it's like they figured something out. They got a win again. The bench roundly outplaying the Rockets. Jeff Green was the only guy who came off the bench to score for Houston. He had 16 points. For the Lakers, it looked like LeBron, uh, right from the get-go, he had this driving layup to get the first points for the Lakers. He's going to be really aggressive. He's going to do a lot until he sensed in the fourth quarter that the guys were pretty confident and they were on a roll. Rondo hit and just a really difficult three. Just He was well defended, but sometimes shots go in, and he hit it. And uh, Kuzma had a put back. And a bunch of guys just made a play here and there. And they went. It, was, it had been a close game. There were like 15 ties. If you were watching that game, just ties and lead changes. And the start of the fourth quarter, the Lakers went on a run. And then LeBron goes to the bench, and Houston isn't able to make a move. They aren't able to get anything going. And basically, the Lakers just trade hoops to the end of the game and win it. There really wasn't much drama in those last three or four minutes and it made you think the Lakers are going to get this done they are going to get this done and we're probably going to have a Laker Clipper final maybe the Nuggets can come back maybe the Rockets can come back but for as close as the three four and five six series or three six and four five series were there's not a lot of separation but there's clearly separation what I think it comes down to is the best player on each, each each team. Yes, the Rockets could use a little more depth. Um, but, man, LeBron just enforced his will on that game. And as much as he scored a bunch of points and a bunch of, you know, shots, and you're like, how does he do that? He had four blocks. He's running guys down. He's playing like he's 27. <laughs> he's just – he is just defying father time left and right. And – you know, he made he made the big place. And it's not that he had a bad stat line. It's like 36, 7, and 5. But it was the big place. He made plays at key moments. So the Lakers get the victory, and uh, they inch a step closer to the Western Conference final and an all-L.A. showdown in Florida. Well, it's a weird year. What are you going to do? Uh, the weirdness continues in football. Uh, college football, we got another game canceled, Louisiana Tech and Baylor. Uh, Louisiana Tech had too many positive tests. So according to their AD, the issue, and this is a little different after, you know, I mean, LSU had an issue, but 30 players went to a club, right? And um, But in this case, it was the storm they had there, the hurricane that hit, and families had to shelter. People in low-lying areas had to go stay with relatives in other areas, and they just couldn't avoid mixing people and so they've had multiple outbreaks I haven't seen the exact numbers a lot of schools are really not into reporting numbers they're trying to hide this as much as possible now the Louisiana's text credit you know they said well the number's too big we can't play so I guess we'll just have to take that at face value but a lot of the schools just don't want to share numbers ESPN's done the story Utah doesn't want to share numbers um, you know half the power five doesn't now I think it's less important that Utah and the Big Ten aren't sharing the numbers because they aren't playing um, and Louisiana Tech won't play this week either so this is now three big 10 teams that aren't going to play in their opener and there are now five games canceled this weekend uh smu tcu's been bumped uh tulsa can't play oklahoma state because tulsa has um not been able to practice and uh now you've got um Louisiana Tech 
and they've got an outbreak. So uh, that's not going to happen with Baylor. And that was supposed to be on Fox. But, you know, realistically, was anybody here going to watch that? I mean, I could see maybe in Louisiana and parts of Texas some people would watch that. But that's just not a game you're craving. And now they're going to plug in Kansas State and somebody that they're paying to take a beating. So, eh. It's not good. doesn't really cramp our style. We weren't going to watch those games anyway. Uh, I have seen a story that kind of applies to the, uh, the BYU-Navy game, and it's about how few close games there were week one. Uh, teams that were limited in practice, teams that were limited in hitting a lot of blowouts. Now, I think week one usually has a lot of blowouts because it has a lot of non-conference games. But a lot of those blowouts, you know, a Power 5 team has a lot of money and has great facilities and great TV contract, and they pay somebody to come in and take a beating, and they usually do. Not always. There's some upsets, but usually. And this was a little different because this was group of five versus group of five, and we still got lopsided games. Uh, BYU is certainly not the only one. And certainly their next opponent, Army, who they play in two weeks, uh, had a 42 nothing win over Middle Tennessee State. But really there was like one game that was one touchdown game, and that was a 10-point game, and a late field goal made it a closer game, and that was SMU beating Texas State. And ironically, BYU will play Texas State in October. Well, it's scheduled to play Texas State in October. Um, so, yes, BYU won in a, in a blowout. No, that wasn't unusual. And it'll just be interesting to see as we go forward if that keeps happening. Keep getting blowouts. Is BYU going to be able to beat Army? Will BYU be able to dominate Army? That's something we can get into uh, as we get into the next week. Because BYU's got to buy this weekend. Army does play, if you want to watch that game. I think it's on the CBS Sports Network. And they are playing uh, Louisiana, or Louisiana Monroe this weekend. A team that, if Army's good, you would think that they would win this game, possibly convincingly, right? So... Um, you know, we can keep our eye on that uh, going forward. So there you go. There's the football, and there is the uh, and there's the NBA. Kind of demoralizing, huh? Lakers, Clippers. You don't feel very good about that, do you? Mm. I know. I'm with you. <laughs> and yet, it's the top two. Also, Miami knocked Milwaukee out. Um, you know, onto Takumpo. He's trying to hobble. He can't play. He can only play a portion of the game. He can't play whatever. He did say that anybody who's waiting for him to force a trade this uh, offseason, I was going to say this summer, but that doesn't fit in 2020, does it? Uh, anybody who's waiting to force a trade, he, he wants to stay. He's going to do things the hard way. He's here to run through the wall, and he's not going to force a trade. Now, if you're not going to force a trade, don't leave as a free agent either. At least let Milwaukee get something for you. Um, but it sounds like he's going to be a buck in the long run, which is better than hearing that you know he's going to go to Miami, he's going to go to L.A. He's going to go to some glamour city, some warm weather market, and you know build a super team. I think we'd all rather hear that story. All right, coming up next, uh, more on BYU and Navy and the fallout from that. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. All right. Is settling in? Is it becoming real to you? BYU is good. 
And they smoked Navy. Uh, Yesterday, late in the show, we had Ross Dellinger on. He's a national college football writer for Sports Illustrated. And there are plenty of issues to talk about. What's the playoff going to look like? And uh, are these leagues really going to get in these uh, 10, 11-game schedules that they're planning on? But first... The fallout from BYU and Navy with Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated. Ross, good morning. Morning, how are you guys? Good. So, Ross, 55-3, to is there any part of that that you saw coming? (laughs) Probably not. Um, Although I I didn't know the full extent of Navy's, I guess, approach, cautious approach to preseason camp. Um, you know, I expected a 10 to 15 point and but certainly did expect that. So at 55 to 3 and with BYU running for 301 yards and the 580 yards of total offense, it begs the question, is BYU this good or is Navy this bad? Well, I think it uh you know, I think it did have a lot to do with the situation with, uh, you know, Navy's preseason camp, and that was their first real live contact, you know, which is pretty uh, pretty crazy to think about. You know, it's kind of like camp scrimmage. Um, I talked to a BYU coach afterward, and he, he was mentioning how it, it did, you know, it, it looked kind of like that was their first year. Um so I think that had a lot to do with it, uh, you know. And that's not taking anything away from BYU. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt who the better team was on the field last night. Um, but you know, it, it was a, it was it was crazy to see. And um, I think you know BYU has got a, a solid team. They, they're going to need to obviously improve. We didn't see a lot of the passing game, but probably because we they didn't need it. You know, they they really moved up front their offensive line clearly. Is, uh, is very talented. So Cougar fans look at the schedule and see Army coming up next, and Army just beat Middle Tennessee State 42 to nothing. Army and Houston are the two programs that have the best reps, the best brand. We'll have to see how good their actual teams are this year because they've both been up and down over the course of five years. Uh, the same as Navy, uh, you know, with an 11-win season, a 3-win season, 11-win season all in the mix. Do you think there's anybody out there that BYU can beat that'll really make people stand up and say, ah, they're good, or no matter what the Cougars do with this team, Team, are they going to get dismissed at a national level? Oh, I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, people still, I mean, BYU is still a brand. And I think people still uh, watch BYU and follow BYU. Um, I, I don't think, uh, you know, over the years, sure, it's, it's gotten, um, there's, you know, there, there's a, a, a certain, I guess, Things have changed. It's not like it's like the mid '90s or, or mid '80s. So there's obviously lots of things have changed. But I still think BYU is a big brand. And I think if you if you have a good enough record, and, and uh, obviously, again, uh, you know, I, I was hoping to see more from the passing attack, but they didn't need it last night. And so that kind of awaits. Uh, I think everybody's excited to see uh, Zach Wilson and, and, and what he can do in, in year three. Do you think Army is uh, any good? Because I think the same questions come out of the Middle Tennessee State game when it's forty-two to nothing. Uh, is Army that good, or is Middle Tennessee State that bad? And obviously, Army's up next for BYU. Yeah, 
you know, it's 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 tough to predict uh, this early in the season after just one game. I, I saw another that uh, Kalani Sataki was asked during the post game uh, interview if this uh, does something as far as the uh, for his program. I don't know exactly what the question was, and he said. He said, "Look, it's just one game. You know, I hate to I hate to pin everything on one game. So it's tough with all these games, these season openers, to uh, you know, to, to to now predict the season just based off of one game. We all have to remember. I and mean, a lot of these teams, again, we, we talked about it with Navy already, talked at length. But uh, the COVID is impacting some of these teams more than the others. And um, I know from just from talking to some people around the BYU program, they they were not." For whatever reason, maybe it was the, the uh, precautions they're taking there and the mitigation tactics, but they were not as impacted as some other schools. And it, it clearly showed. And, and, and it, it's funny because I went to the Southern Miss-South Alabama game last Thursday, and it clearly showed on that field how impacted Southern Miss was by, by COVID. And, and, again, you don't want to give an excuse to everybody and, and uh, put the – all the blame on on the virus, but Southern Miss's offensive line, you know, they got hit by COVID. They, a lot of their players were uh, out for camp uh, on the O line, and all the all the units, the O line is the one that needs the gelling the most. And uh, I think last night we saw a BYU offensive line that uh, was much more gelled uh, than some others that I've seen so far this year. I thought we were going to see a lot fewer coaching changes because teams aren't going to have the money to buy coaches out. And even if they do have the money, it's a bad look. So just from the PR, even if they have the money, the PR, they may not want to do it. And yet, Southern Miss, Hobson's out after one game. What happened there? I guess they didn't have to buy him out if it was a mutual decision, so maybe that's part of it. But what? how do we have a coaching change already? <laughs> it, that was surprising. Uh, you know, I'll cover that game. I even met with the AD the day before the game and certainly none of that really came up um, and then of course after the fact you hear that there are you know, some other off the field stuff we all remember a year and a half ago uh, when Jay Hobson tried to hire on Bryles right. and that didn't go over real well the president stepped in and I don't think he and the president have, uh, probably have the greatest relationship since then uh, I asked a lot of players this summer um, from the from uh, some of them transferred. Uh, they opted out and transferred uh, left. Uh, they did the not opt out to wait to next year and return to the team, but opt out to leave the team. And there's a lot of that going on. Maybe a little unrest there. And obviously, they didn't look good on the field. You know, really clearly, they didn't look good. But when anything like that happens after one game, it's not that one game that. Uh, was the the one defining factor. I think it was a lot of other off the field things, and clearly Jay Hobson entered this season maybe uh, on more of a, a hot seat than we all thought. Speaking of opting out, Penny Sewell, who actually went to high school in Utah, uh, plays at Oregon, has decided to opt out. Whatever the Pac-12 ends up doing, whatever the season looks like, if there is one, he's not going to be a part of it. He's going to get ready for the NFL draft, which makes a lot of sense. But we've seen a couple guys, three, two or three guys now, do this. And I remember when players started opting out of bowl games, it caught on pretty quickly. Do you think for top five draft picks this could catch on? Because there's, I mean, really life-changing money if you're a top five draft pick. Even even a rookie contract is life-changing money. Do you think this is going to be a trend? The pandemic has really, uh, it, it's really going to 
change a lot, obviously, in society, but it, it, it is going to change sports a lot for some for the better, some for the worse, and it, it's going to change it uh, for an extended period of time. I mean, it's going to be permanent changes. We're going to see society have permanent changes, and I think this is one of the things that's going to be impacted permanently by the virus is you probably are going to see more players sit out. And not only that, um, I think you might end up seeing seniors in high school um, start to, and we've already seen it obviously with the pandemic, um, some seniors bypassing their high school year because of the pandemic or because it was moved or even canceled or whatnot. And you're seeing them enroll early and all that in college. not play their senior year. I, I think we could see that happening more and more as well. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting times we're we're living in, and, and there's going to be a lot I think changing on a permanent basis when all this is done. You know, one thing we've seen is that uh, probably about uh, of the Power Five leagues that are playing, at least half, maybe two thirds of the schools are reporting limited amount of info on who's out, or they're reporting not at all. Sometimes they don't even want to report numbers of players who've tested positive. I took that as a sign that it's full steam ahead, and they are going to get this season in, and they are not going to be denied. And they're trying to limit the public debate by limiting the info that gets out. Now, having said that, Tulsa and Oklahoma State that game is uh, postponed. And also TCU, SMU, I think there have been four games now that have been uh, pushed back. How confident are you that the three power leagues that are going are going to play a full schedule as full as defined in 2020? Not not real confident. I don't I don't think that we're in, uh, like you said, I think, yeah, I think we're up to maybe even as close as half a dozen games season mm-hmm. openers postponed. I think we'll end up You'll end up seeing, um, you know, some teams not play the um, amount of games that they're scheduled to play. Uh, you might have one SEC team play eight or nine games, and another play play ten. Uh, I, I think uh, you might even see some programs not complete a season, not not finish a season, who, who started a season. I, I think all those things are probably going to happen. And here's the thing. I think administrators expect that. You know, they're expecting that. They're expecting COVID outbreaks and numbers and cases and community cases to impact uh, a season. And, and I, I think that's where we're we all right now. We all have to expect there are going to be more games impacted. And if they can't move to another day on the schedule, they'll be avoided. And I think that's what we're going to see teams with all variety of, of uh, completed games numbers by the end of. Ross Dellinger joining us. He's a national college football writer for Sports Illustrated. Uh, Ross, anyone who's listened to this show knows that I have wild theories. And uh, some of them, some of them actually turn out, and others just uh, it'd be better if I had never spoken them aloud. But one of the theories I have going into this season, and none of the Power Five leagues have adopted it. Possibly some of them will going forward, was move the postseason, especially the playoff. There's so much money on it. Move it to um, around the uh, Super Bowl. Either have the con- you could have the championship game on the Saturday night before the Super Bowl, or if the NFL ends up having a break, which they might not, so the colleges might want to stay from this. You know, the the weekend before the Super Bowl when there's only the Pro Bowl. Use those dates and give teams a few more weeks to reschedule games into. Basically, saying, hey, here's 16 weeks to play your 
10 games over because we think you're going to have to float some games here. Uh, no one seems to be embracing that. There doesn't seem to be much about moving the playoff back a month or so. Do you think there will be momentum for that, or is that just a total non-starter? I, I, I mean, I'm doubtful on that. Uh, obviously, that would potentially also give um, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten an opportunity to maybe catch up. Uh, and, and so, you know, you could have more of a universal uh, playoff, all-encompassing. But uh, it, it, that is um, that seems to me uh, to be uh, – here, here's the thing. You know, you have six, six conferences out of the ten that are playing. And those six conferences, they, they are looking at the other four – Specifically, the Big Ten, right? Uh, and saying, "Look, you should have waited. We're we're not waiting for you. We're not going to do uh, anything necessarily to to um, adjust our schedule because of what you know your decision was." Which a lot of them think the decision to be Big Ten and others made was, um, uh, you know, a little early. Uh, and and I, so I, I think you're going to see those conferences. Uh, push against something like that. They're, they're not going to want to wait. They're not going to want to drag their season over the course of, of the traditional flu season uh, longer and longer. I reckon they're going to be into no, November, December, and, and even early January with all this. They're not going to want to uh, push it into January and, and into February. I, I, I don't. I don't see that happening. That would. That would surprise me. Ross Dellinger, national college football writer for Sports Illustrated, through all these uh, through all these changes and all the changes that we're probably going to have to deal with that we can't really anticipate a month from now. When whenever this is done, is it still going to be Clemson? Is it still going to be Alabama? Is it still going to be Oklahoma? Uh, I think so. And, and now you, we've really we've made it. Um, We've watered down the field, you know, the, the, in a lot of ways, because we don't have the Big Ten or the Pac, Pac-12, which I think had some contenders this year. Now, a lot of people expected a lot out of USC and Oregon. Um, so, and obviously the Big Ten, Ohio State, and uh, teams like uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, all of them were, I think, a lot of people expected to be be competing. And, and so you've watered down the field, and the parity uh, isn't. Uh, quite like it was, even though we, in a lot of ways, didn't have a, a ton of parity. So, I do. I think it's Clemson and Alabama. We just made our kind of crystal ball picks for SI, and those were the two uh, in my championship game. Well, in that case, we don't really need a regular season anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us here and talking a little uh, BYU Navy and a little national college football. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. There's Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated. Coming up next, David Nixon played for BYU, played in the NFL, and now broadcasts for BYU TV. His thoughts on the Cougars, the big win, and where they go from here, coming up next. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, BYU did it. 55-3. to They just took Navy apart. I've been looking for words that describe that. You know, an annihilation, a rout. They crushed them. They blew them out. A total domination. Any other phrases you've got, hit me up on Twitter. I'm going to have to reference that game for another week and a half until we get to Army. So, David DJ James, anything you have, I could use it. Um, 
But in the wake of that just overwhelming victory, a game that was over in the first half, uh, we spoke with David Nixon, former BYU football player, and he played in the NFL, and now he works for BYU TV. We had him on yesterday during the show, uh, so he dropped some last nights and all that, but you, you get the point of it. As a guy who played, and as a guy who played against the option, to watch that happen... Here's David Nixon with P- with PK now, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David, good morning. DJ, what's going on? 55 to 3 is going on, David. <laughs> that was a beatdown. Uh, listen, you, you saw Kenny Matalolo's comments after the game, just saying, hey, we weren't prepared at all, uh, BYU was. and Yeah, it's pretty evident from step one. I mean, BYU jumped on early and, and did not take their foot off the gas pedal. It was uh, – it's fun to see. Honestly, we were talking about it as a, as a crew. I, I think this might be the most complete game of Kalani Satake's era. I mean, uh, all three facets of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And so it was fun to watch, especially the first game of the year, because everyone always has question marks on their first game, right? I mean, you hear reports coming out of ball camp that they're looking great. Certain guys are sticking out. Things are starting to gel. Uh, but you still have that kind of that question mark in the back of your head, that doubt that, Hey, are these reports true or not? Are they going to come out and lay an egg? And and sure enough, they uh, they kind of showed out. So um, it was fun to watch. It was definitely fun to watch. So I think the one thing that I take away, and you can tell me if I'm right or not, but I read a preview talking about uh, NFL caliber guys you could watch Week One because there were no Power Five games, right? Even the three leagues that are playing, nobody played Week One. But it was kind of for college football fans and NFL fans. Well, watch these guys, right? Because SMU's quarterback's an NFL draft prospect, and there's this D lineman and this safety and blah, blah, blah. And then they got to like the seventh one in the list, and I saw BYU offensive line. And they were talking about the scouts are looking at four guys. Now, maybe they won't all make it, but you figure at least a couple of them will. And even if you're, you know, if you're the third or fourth best offensive lineman in an O line and you're projected as a fringe NFL guy, you're pretty good. So, so given the fact that we know NFL scouts believe in them, at least to some degree, that they're coming back to see them one more time, and the fact that they just ran for 300 yards on Navy, should we believe that the BYU offensive line is going to push people around all season? I think so. I mean, and listen, these are the whole bunch of guys. Because of the injuries last year, you had a rotation of six, seven guys that got playing time last year um, and, and played well. I mean, keep in mind – they were blocking for three separate quarterbacks last year and, and still had success. So uh, they're, they're hogs, and, and they were out there, and, and uh, they, they kind of proved their value uh, last night with, with what they did, as you mentioned, uh, 301 rushing yards, 580 total yards. I mean, uh, Zach had all day, you know, passing the ball, dropped back, they had 279 passing yards. And so they controlled that line of scrimmage. They had a, the surge for them. They were two, three yards to the field every play. And keep in mind, yeah, it is Navy. And I pointed I out in the week that they had, I think it's like a 49-pound advantage on Navy's defensive line. Uh, I mean, they were just – Navy was expected any of these, you know, Air Force, Navy, Army, you expect to have that type of size differential. But typically, those service academies counter that with just how they are, right? And these, these are guys who fight for our country, and um, they're not going to just lay down. They're, they're, they're going to fight till the last minute. But – uh, BYU just pushed them all around, and it was it was impressive to see. But there's no question. I think the strongest unit on that offensive side of the ball is the offensive line. And of course, if you have a strong offensive line, uh, you can protect your quarterback, you can create holes for your running backs, uh, and then you allow time for your quarterback to get the ball to your receiver. So it helps everyone the whole offensive side of the ball. So uh, I think that's something to watch. And 
And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I think they do legitimately have three or four guys that will be able to make it to the pros um, if they can kind of keep up with, with what they did last night. So on the broadcast, they were uh, throwing Navy a lifeline, pointing out, well, they haven't been hitting. It's very unusual, but, you know, <laughs> the 2020 football season is very unusual. So welcome to the party. Uh, how much of this would you put on the fact Navy wasn't hitting and how much of a hey, BYU's offensive line has size, they got they got quality, and they were going to do this no matter what Navy did in uh, scrimmage? Yeah, listen. I think I think there is a little bit something to that. Where if you haven't been able to hit live contact, you know, uh, Ken was saying since last year their bowl game, uh, it's tough. I, I I totally agree. It's tough. That being said, after the first or couple two series, then you get the feel of what it's like to hit again. I mean, these are kids that have been playing football since Pee Wee, right? I mean, it's not like all of a sudden within nine months they've lost the complete feel of how to go hit somebody um, and how to play the game of football. Uh, but it, it definitely it definitely hurts, and, and it showed. BYU jumped on early, right? Uh, defense uh, forced three and out. Offense goes down and score, uh, and that was kind of the, the name of the games. But um, you know, it, it, it doesn't help. But also, I don't know if you you can blame that entire game on the fact that you weren't able to tackle in fall camp. Uh, but uh, you know, I guess you can make excuses if you want to. So, uh, what did you think of Zach Wilson? 13 of 18, 232 yards, had the pick with the receiver stumbling. You know, the, the run game looks good, and the play-action game ought to make life pretty good for a quarterback off that. How did you think he did? Yeah, you know, I thought he did really well. Um, and, and what I was watching was his decision-making, and uh, because that's something that I think all Cougar fans have wanted to see him get better at, uh, was maybe not trying to force the ball into, into tight spots. I think he actually did a terrific job. Like you said, the interception was Neil Powell coming out of his break, uh, stumbled a bit over the linebacker's foot, it looked like, and uh, and then the ball just flew and, and the DB had an easy break on it. So um, I, I don't know if I necessarily chalked it up to Zach per se, uh, but the rest of the night he had a couple plays where he probably could have gone for the more risky pass and tried to squeeze in the window, but instead he checked it down um, and and he lived to fight another day and BYU got a good gain off it. So. I think that's what everyone wants to see with Zach. Can he go from a sophomore year um, where last year he threw 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions, almost a one-to-one pass, uh, touchdown to, to interception ratio? Can he get up into that two-to-one, three-to-one ratio where he's just making better decisions? Uh, and and with, once again, with that offensive line, I think Zach will notice that he doesn't have to go out there and win the game himself. I mean, now with Tyler Algier, with the way he played yesterday, the way he ran downhill, um, when he, with Lopini Katoa, the way he's playing – I mean, you've got Jackson McChesney came in and played well. I mean, you've got uh, a, a running back room that's very capable. And so for Zach, it's, you don't have to go out there and win this thing yourself. Let your, let get the ball in the, in the hands of your playmakers uh, and make good decisions. Don't turn the ball over. Make good decisions. And I think this team can have success. I think where he struggled in the past is that uh, I think he felt too much pressure on himself. That he needed to get out there and scramble and he'd fumble it or – He'd hold on to the ball too long because he wanted to throw the deep ball and, and make a big play, and you know he gets sacked and fumble or or, uh, or he throw a pick. So um, I think I think all fans want to see him take that next step in maturity, uh, where you start to understand the game a little more, starts to slow down a little more, but more importantly, you start to make better decisions. Uh, and I think we saw that from him, uh, last night. So defensively, uh, we talked about how good the O line was. Obviously, defensively, they limited Navy. 39 carries, 119 yards. That's 
3.1 yards per carry, so that's really good, especially when you consider Navy broke off two big run plays. So really, <laughs> the rest of them, it was a couple yards a snap. How much of the credit goes to Tonga? How much of the credit goes to that D-line? How just in complete control did you think those guys were? It was it was insane. Uh, probably the best defensive outing I've ever seen during the college to talk era um, from, from this defense. And it really all started up front with Kyra Tonga. I, I I love watching Kyrus. I'd sit there and watch play after play, just watch him particularly. I don't even watch the quarterback and where the ball's going. And and they tried to double-team him various times, and he'd split the double-team, he'd take care of the dive. And that's how it is in this triple option. You have to take care of the dive first because that's their first read. That's where they want the ball to go, uh, especially maybe with their, their running back. Uh, he, he was their big stud. And, and Kyrus has swallowed it up. I mean, they basically eliminated that option throughout the whole night. And they forced the quarterback into then uh, going to his next read, which is him tucking it or trying to pitch it to the running back. Uh, and then that's where the credit goes to BYU's linebackers. You know, BYU's linebackers with Isaiah Kafusi, um, uh, Pepe Tanabasa, who, who transferred from Navy, uh, had, you know, led the team in tackles last night, uh, and, and the, the rest of the crew. I mean, they were flying around making plays. And, and I, I will say this when you play Air Force, uh, any type of schools, Navy, Army, this triple option, you really do feed off each other. I remember playing them in my days. When, when you're stuffing them and they're only getting one or two yards per carry and they're forced into a third and long, which is which is where they're not comfortable at all, you just feed off each other and it's it's a, it's a riot. It's a, it's a blast out there. Uh, conversely, if, if they're just in their way and, and gashing you with eight, nine yards per carry, it's, uh, it's the longest night you'll ever have your entire life. Uh, so it goes both ways. But this BYU defense was dominating. The, the secondary, I love to watch the secondary. Secondary was coming up, fly, flying, hidden guys. You look at Troy Warner, they actually moved him to corner. He's been playing safety all camp. They moved him to corner to provide kind of that more, um, more, of, a, more of a tackler on the outside. Uh, but uh, Zane Harrison was coming down from the safety position. It was, just, it was fun to see. It was a well-oiled machine in game one, which, like I said, typically in first games, you expect there to be uh, some things you got to work through. But this BYU team was, was rolling, and it was – I mean, it showed the score of 55 to three, it's, and then that's after you pulled all the starters midway through the third. I mean, if if Kalani wanted to run it up, he easily could have. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of guys got other reps, and it was fun because a lot of these kids during fall camp, uh, you know, they've grinded, they've they've worked hard, and it was fun to kind of reward them there at the end, let a whole bunch of kids, uh, second, third stringers, get in and and you know get a little taste of what it's like to have some live game action. So you've talked about the most complete performance of the Kalani era, and I think people remember you know, four years ago, his first year they went back and really won pretty easily at Michigan State, dominated that. A couple of years ago, it was a close game, and they won at Wisconsin, and last year, Tennessee, USC at home, and giving Boise State their only regular season loss. Those kind of jump out at me as, was it, four, five, five, I guess, uh, five best wins of the Kalani era. So rank this amidst those five. Where do you put it? Well, it's tough to obviously put this game on par with winning at Wisconsin and being a ranked USC team at home in overtime like we saw last year. Um, but I would say it's in the top five. And, and, and like I said, I think because of the fact that you come off a very disappointing end of the season last year with losing to San Diego State, then losing uh, against Hawaii in the bowl game, where many thought that this that, that should have been a pretty promising season after going 2-2 two and two in the month of September and beating USC at home. Um, and so BYU fans expected to, to – I mean, BYU was ranked at one point uh, after beating USC, uh, and, then, and then they really just stumbled against Toledo in, in South Florida. And so 
I think, uh, if anything, this, this game provides BYU fans a little bit of hope to say, okay, yeah, we, we thought on paper we had a great team going into the season, uh, and, and now there's maybe some consistency here where they're back, you know, living up to that hype and living up to that name. And, and that's what they did last night. So the big question is next week against Army, can there be consistency here where they go out and they, and they you know, beat up on Army, and now BYU fans really start to you know, buy into the hype. But, listen, we've all been on this roller coaster before, right? Like I said last season, kind of up and down, up and down. Um, can, can BYU have some type of consistency and, and win at a consistent pace? I think that's what everyone's so anxious about. But, you know, up to now, you're, you're relishing in, in this victory. And, uh, you know, that, that's a team that went 11-2 last year. There's no, there's no, there's no slouches. Uh, but that being said, they were replacing their, their star quarterback, who's now with the Miami Dolphins. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great start. And, and we'll see if, what they can put together against Army. I mean, it's, uh, you saw what the Army did to Middle Tennessee. So um, I think it should be a pretty solid matchup uh, in about a week and a half. See, David, you've turned into a broadcaster. You're not even the player X player anymore. You, you halfway answered my next question because you know where this is going. I think there's always in college football, at the end of that opening game, no matter what happens, is like, well, is this team that good or is that team that bad? You know, I, I can remember in the Utes 2004 season and they beat Texas A&M really badly. And I thought, well, if A&M's is good, then the Utah team, how good? You know, it all gets confirmed as you go forward, but I think you can literally pick any year and you can pick a handful of opening games. And I think this year, let's pick two. Is Army that good or is Army that bad after beating Middle Tennessee State 42 nothing? And is BYU this good or is uh, Navy uh that bad after that 55-3. to So, of the four teams, and I don't know how much you watched of Army and Middle Tennessee State, is there anything you can say definitively about any four of them, or do you really need a second game to check all of this? Well, this is why I always joke about, even as a player, I felt the same way. I mean, the preseason polls are a joke, and then the, they start putting out the, the rankings after week one, two, three. Those are a joke, because like you said, you have no idea where you stand or, or whether these teams are any good or not. I mean, you can look back at the end of the season, in fact, I remember this in 2008, my senior year, we played Washington. We beat them early on in the season on uh, Jake, you know, Jake Locker threw the ball in the air. And uh-huh, we right. Extra point to yeah. win. And so we were on top of the world thinking, man, we just beat a solid uh, Washington team. And sure <laughs> enough, I think that year they went over. They, they didn't did. Win the game. They did. <laughs> and, so, and so it just goes to show you, you have no idea. You can only, obviously, you can only play your best ball and, and, and uh, you know, play the teams in front of you and, and hope that they do well the rest of the season. But, um, you, you just never know, and I, that's, I think even listen as players, they're probably thinking the same thing right now. They're like, "Wow, we just put together a solid performance. Are we are we that good, or is maybe that bad?" I mean, I, I, you you wonder a little bit, and, I, and that's why you know I was mentioning this last night on our post game show. I guarantee these guys wish they could play this Saturday. Tom Homo came out and said, "Listen, we're not going to put our guys through this, having to go back, you know, East Coast uh, road trips." kind of back-to-back weeks, I, we didn't want to try and squeeze a game in for this Saturday to be too close and too brutal. And it's unfortunate right now, as you look hindsight, because I guarantee you those BYU players want to get back on the field tomorrow because uh, you have that kind of that taste in your mouth. But, um, you know, they, they're going to have to wait a week and a half to get out of there and play again. But we'll see. I mean, that, that's what's so fun about college football, right? I mean, it's, it's a week-to-week game, and, and early in the season, you're not quite sure who's going to be good, who's not. And, uh, you know, that's why you, you, you line up and play the game. But... Um, regardless, it's exciting to see the, the potential this team has. And, and, and frankly, I think it's good for the players as well because they can see that if they, are, that they all do play as kind of one big unit and, and they play pretty much flawlessly, 
what they're capable of. And, and that's, a, that's a thumping on a, on a good Navy team, a well-coached Navy team, a well-disciplined Navy team. Um, and, and you can kind of see once you, when you put it all together, when all three phases of the game are rolling, kind of, kind of what the result can look like. Well, uh, I am 100% on board with Tom Holmo and Kalani Sataki deciding, hey, let's have a bye week. Because from the, go look up the 2000 team that had to travel back east to play uh, Syracuse and Virginia and Florida State. And they got drilled twice and had an incredible rally to beat Virginia in overtime. Traveling is hard. And just look at last year's team that lost to Toledo and South Florida and Hawaii and had all those games and lost them all in the fourth quarter. Just got completely outplayed in the fourth quarter of all three of those games. So travel is hard. It would add up. And if you're going to go to Navy and go to Army in three weeks, I think having the third week be a bye week is a really good plan. Yeah, Yeah, I I would totally agree. And and keep in mind, I mean, when you're playing Navy and Army, you get beat up even that much more uh, because those guys are just relentless on the other side of the ball. And they run that triple option, so you've got guys cutting you and chopping you at the legs, and so your legs are sore, and, and you've got both the bruises you, you didn't know that uh, you could have after you face teams like this, because it's not, it's not normal football, right? I mean, you, this year, BYU you face, will face uh, you know, Army and Navy, which run the triple option, but up till now, uh, it's been like, I think, five or six years since BYU faced a triple option team, and so it's just not something you're used to. Um, and, and so I agree, the, the, the by the buy works obviously. I think what Tom was originally hoping to do was get a FCS type team yeah. this Saturday, which would have helped because hopefully, once again, your starters are out by the halftime and you've got other guys in. But but I think ultimately it was, the right, it was definitely the right call um, and uh, leave this leave this Saturday open and then and then roll from there. But um, you know we'll see we'll see what happens now. It's funny because Kirk Herbstreit uh, and Reese mentioned Reese Davis mentioned on the on the call that uh, you know. We'll see if teams want to play BYU. You know, Tom Homo alluded to the fact that they, they wanted to fill the last, call it two, three, four games towards the end of the season with other teams, and and, and we'll see if if uh, other teams are up to that. You might have some teams there just like ah, we'll pass for now. But uh, obviously, a lot of football to be played, and and we'll see how this BYU team shakes out. But uh, once again, a really complete game by them. Uh, it was fun to watch it, you know, come all about from from really the start of the, the first snap of the game. Uh, BYU deferred. They, they forced Navy to go three and out, stop the stop the triple option, then the offense just rolled straight down, really by just rushing the ball uh, and just kind of just giving them their own taste of their own uh, medicine. Just just rush the ball and just kind of cram down their throats and then just rolled from there, kept the momentum and rolled from there. So fun to watch and and we'll see uh, we'll see how they can do and we can have against Army and and uh, see what type of BYU team we have this year. You know, I think it's going to be hard to schedule teams later in the year. Uh, one reason is, you're right, competitively, there are going to be some teams that are like, yeah, we want no part of that. What's the point? Uh, I think the other thing is, we're going to see games delayed, and teams are going to have to plug conference games into bye weeks. You know, TCU, SMU, if they have a chance, they're going to want to replay their rivalry game, uh, not have one of them take on BYU. So I think that's another thing that's going to make it difficult. But I'm not completely without hope, because I can see a team that thinks they're pretty good, that thinks they need one more quality win to get them into a playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl game, say, yeah, we'll play BYU to prove something. Yeah. So that's I the one that's, scenario that's out there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's Tom's hope. And listen, I think if, if those teams don't emerge, I think there's still probably plenty of teams that Tom could call up and, and make it a pay game where um, you know he finds a way to, to have them come out here and we'll pay them a little bit of money to make it happen. So 
I, I think he'll get a couple more games. I think he's just holding out to try to get some of those big P5 bigger names uh, before he fills it up with, with others. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's this, interesting, this season, as you mentioned at, at the beginning of the interview, this is just a crazy season that, that there's no playbook for, right? I mean, I feel like it's kind of for the first-time parents um, and in fact, Taysom, uh, Taysom Hills, you know, my brother-in-law, and they just had their first little kid, and we were laughing about how it, there's there's no playbook for being a first-time parent. I mean, it's <laughs> like they send you home with like a uh, a big binder when you leave the hospital. And say, okay, just make sure you follow these steps, right? I just uh, and I feel I feel like it's the same way with Tom Homo right now. There's there's no playbook for him. He's just kind of flying by, right by the seat of his pants and and try to make this all all work. But uh, and you saw the players were just ecstatic in their post-game interviews we had with them last night. They were all just saying how just how appreciative appreciative they are of Tom Homo for putting the schedule together and allowing the chance to play. And I think that's how the whole fan base feels. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of cupcakes on the schedule, um, but the fact that they're just out there playing it was it was just so fun to watch last night. See a BYU team running out of the field and uh, having this opportunity. So you kind of just take it uh, you just take it at face value and and root on your team. And we'll see how the cards lie here at the end of the season if the other teams step up to the plate want to play them. Um, if not, you know, then we'll we'll see uh, we'll see if there's bowl games and how that all works out as well. But just support them in the meantime and enjoy the ride. All right, and don't be too hard on yourself about that 2008 win over Washington because you broke them. You broke them emotionally <laughs> with that win. That was uh, yeah. We we were the uh, we were the one that their whole season to go downhill. That's what we tell ourselves. That's exactly so. right. Keep telling yourself that. There's nobody to say anything else at this point. So just look in the mirror. We broke them. Yeah, we broke their will. That's that's what caused them to go over, for sure. David, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, DJ, take care. There's David Nixon from BYU. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.